him. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. They took it away. Now, Ed, our, we just did a segment that was so great that Jared sitting in the studio, instead of listening to us, retweeted a tweet that says, seriously, a monkey could bartend. This is the Press Box. The last two days on our opening segments, there's two segments we have for the best of. Now, you're probably going to have to play them on a loop because there's not a lot of best of on the show. But we got to pay attention during these times. With Grady and Bischoff. Coming up next, we find out if monkeys can bartend. On ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go to Thursday. Working our way towards Monday Night Football with the Raiders as they open their season to begin next week. Fantasy football today, that makes a return. But first, it is the Raiders. The first bite. Do the Raiders need to pay Darren Waller? Oh, what a great question on the rundown to open the show. Hot take off the top. Off the top hot take. So you can laugh and like discount it. Extend Darren Waller before you extend the quarterback. I don't think that's a bad take. Oh! 701 a.m. It's a great take. 701 a.m. It's a great take. So <laughs> Darren, so the interesting part about Darren Waller is that yesterday it gets reported that he he didn't he didn't like change agents. He just added a new agent to who's already representing him. And that he, guy must have felt really good. <laughs> did a great job so far. <laughs> We're gonna add this. We're guy gonna add the uh, high powered guy. So he added clutch sports uh, to his current group of agents. Now, Darren Waller right now is signed through 2023. The next three years, he's going to make $6.37 million this year, $6.75 million next year, $6.75 million in 2023. To give you some comparisons, George Kittle makes $15 million a year. Travis Kelsey makes $14 million a year. Mark Andrews is one of the more recent big tight end signings. He signed for $14 million a year. Uh, Austin Hooper. Makes $10 million a year. So Darren Waller is severely underpaid when you look at other tight ends across the league and when you look at the production that Darren Waller has had the last couple of seasons. So he's absolutely going to get paid. But if you're the Raiders, if you include this year, you still have him under contract for three more seasons. This isn't a case where he's a free agent at the end of this year. This isn't even a case where he's a free agent at the end of 2022. You've got him under contract for three more years. So I'm fascinated to see how this plays out for the Raiders and how they prioritize keeping Darren Waller, keeping him happy, but also understanding they don't really need to do anything at the moment. Well, and the other thing is you have down here, which is a good point, because we heard the John Gruden comment about budgets. Um, and that's, look, we don't know all the ins and outs, but there's been some things that's happened in that organization with financial people leaving, um, financial people, some financial people left the aces. So we're not really sure, um, where they are financially uh, under Mark Davis. Uh, Gruden, uh, mentions the budget in the past. They had to choose between Khalil Mack and Derek Carr. It just seems like the money part, uh, and maybe cause we cover this team and we're more, f- you know, focused on them sort of comes up more than NFL other NFL teams that I you know you, you hear about read about listen listen to the, so again I I don't think he'd make 20 a million a year but maybe he'd make would he make 15 16 and then you do have a quarterback no matter who that is I don't know I mean I think you have to extend him at some point but I just doesn't it seem like the money part comes up with this team more than others yeah I mean the quote John Gruden gave to the review journal when talking about Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper being gone 
was, but you have to look at a lot of things. You have to look at the budget of the team. You have to look at the desires of the players, and he went on and on. But you have to look at the budget of the team. This is a salary cap sport. The budget of the team should be the salary cap. Should be at the cap. Like that, the the league has set a budget for you. So you don't really have to look at the budget of the team. You have to look at the salary cap. So when he said you have to look at the budget of the team, that makes it sound like the Raiders are operating on a different budget than every other team in the league. I was under the impression, and this could be completely off base, that whenever you sign a player to an extended contract, that money, like the guaranteed portion of that money goes into like a separate account. And so if you don't have that money to put it in the separate account, then you can't sign that player was one of the issues they ran into with Khalil Mack. I don't know what Jared's talking about, but. So uh, in other words, KJ Wright got 3 million guaranteed, but he can work up to fives, but you better have the three to start. Yes, basically. Uh, I would hope they got three million. I would hope they That's a whole okay, other show. You That's you a whole other show if they don't have three million if right now. You don't now. have fifty million laying around <laughs> for the for the guarantee. For the guarantee, you basically you cannot sign them for fifty million. So, well, the guarantee has to be the cap number, though. Incentives can't be involved in that, right? Or can they? In the cap number? Yeah. yeah they, I mean, they, the, the incentives get factored in. Okay. But it's not, I guess it's not guaranteed. I don't know. If what Jared's saying is right, then you wouldn't have to really worry hey, about having You don't it. have to say it like that. Jared, last week you read three different things wrong within one hour on the show of the internet. We had three different tweets about different topics of, like, Jared's wrong about that. And I fully took that. So I'm assuming you're wrong about this, too. Until proven otherwise. I, I think the fascinating thing is, like you have here, where and Clutch is a powerful, powerful ag- agency. So now, and look, it's a short shelf life, man. When you're g- as good as he is, generational kind of guy, it's Kelsey Kittle and him. No problem getting Clutch. No problem wanting as much as you can get, man. I'm sorry. In that league, get as much as you can because it's not going to last very long. You put down here really interesting part. Okay, it's three more years. So let's say he has another great year. Let's say the guy's Darren Waller, even above Darren Waller. Is showing up to camp next year? If I'm Darren Waller, I'm holding out. I am too. If he has the same year league, he's had the last two yes. years, I'm holding out. Even with two years left on the deal. Yeah. Because, again, he's making less than seven. Kittle and Kelsey are the two comparables to him, and they're both at $14 million or more. <laughs> a better comparable yeah. is Austin Hooper's making that. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm Darren Waller, I'm not only holding out, I'm holding out to get the biggest contract a tight end has ever signed in the league. If I'm Darren Waller, and I, again, if he has another season like he has the last two, I'm holding out until they give me the biggest contract a tight end has ever And I don't ever think signed. that would be – the budget might be an issue, but the thinking behind that, I don't think they would balk at that. Whether they'd pay it or right. not, you know what I mean? I, they would think he's that good. I right. don't think they'd be like, well, we can't pay you that. I think he should be, if he has another season, highest paid tight end. Yeah. Now, on the Raiders' side of it, if he's got two years left on his contract, I don't know if you're making that deal next offseason. Like you might, you, you might sit down and talk to him about an extension or whatever, but I don't know if you're signing him to a massive extension with two years left on the deal. We've talked about this a lot. They did it with Colton Miller. We talked about it a lot with the Golden Knights and the Mark Andre Fleury right. extension. Those were both deals that were done before they had to. They did not have to make those deals. So if I'm the Raiders, even though Waller's great, I still don't think I, I just don't think it's great business for a team to sit down with two years left on the deal and say, okay, 
let's give you a massive well, extension. And we talked about, you, like you said, with Colton Miller, is it ever smart business when you have two years left on anyone in this kind of league? Right. You do it with a goalie. It was still a stupid move by the Golden Knights, but he's a goalie. The chance at injury comparative to Darren Waller is completely, <laughs> you know, night and day. So you're going to – I think he should get paid. I think he should be – if he has another year, I do think he should be the highest paid tight end. But like you said, if you have two years left and say, okay – you know, I'm throwing a number out there. I have no no idea what this guy would get, but guaranteed 36 to 40, 50, whatever it is, you're going to throw that out there to a guy in the NFL with two more years. Now, if he has a year left on it, that makes it right. a whole different issue in terms of extending it. But two years, which is going to make it fascinating to where if Clutch and I'm sorry, they're going to ha- they're going to be the ones guiding him. Now, I don't know who his other agent is, but he Clutch is going to now obviously be the most powerful voice in the room to him. Will they have him hold out? I don't know. It would be fascinating to see next year if he's as good this year as he's always been or better. Now, what's interesting on the Raiders' side, where we should give them some credit. I don't know how much credit, but they've signed a lot of bad contracts. They've signed a lot of players to big deals in free agency and then moved on. Yeah, it's like, okay, LaMarcus joined or Trent Brown, whatever. They haven't been good. The good news for the Raiders is they have not given out a lot of guaranteed money throughout the years because if you look – uh, into the future, the Raiders have the second fewest amount of money committed to players in the year 2023. So that last year of Darren Waller's contract, the Raiders only have 62 million committed to players right now on the roster. Pittsburgh is the only team that's less. Dallas, for a comparison, they have the most 221 million committed to players wow. in 2023. <laughs> Listen, right? they got an owner who waits an hour and a half to eat a Whataburger, so that's none of that surprising. But the Raiders have done a good job. They they have not strapped themselves in to many long-term deals. But, All these bad contracts have been, well, you can get out of it after two years. So, in theory, there is money, there is cap space, there is, you can give Darren Waller that big extension and say, listen, He's pretty much the only guy. Well, Colton Miller and Darren Waller, they're the only two guys that we have given a big contract to for multiple years. We're fine with that. Like they, It's not like they're committed to what Corey Littleton for five more seasons. Is that because they're smart on the budget or tight on the budget? It both. I mean, being tight on it lends to being smart when you make bad decisions. Now, if they were making good decisions in free agency... It wouldn't look smart right. because they'd be if you know if Lamarcus Joyner had been great if Trent Brown had been great they'd be looking at having to extend those they'd guys have to extend as well. those for a lot of money right now the one other area of the Raiders and sort of their future financial obligations to players they've got a whole bunch of first and second round picks that are about to need their second oh. contract if they're going to keep them when you look at Cleveland Furl Josh Jacobs Jonathan Abram and then you look at the um, Damon Arnett and Henry Ruggs class and Alex Leatherwood. Now, like when you start looking three years into the future, you're talking about, okay, how many of those guys are getting second contracts? And if they're getting second contracts, they're significantly higher than what I mean, their rookie deal fourth were. rounder and Max Crosby. Right. So that money, they don't have much committed now, but if you're keeping in, if they make the playoffs this year, guys are going to have good seasons. You're going right. to say, Ooh, whether it's Max Crosby or Hunter Renfro or Cleveland, whoever it is, you're going to say, Ooh, we need to resign them, keep them around. So that money does start to go away. But I think of all the players on this team, Darren Waller's, no, Waller's the, one the guy that, that makes the he's he's the biggest difference maker yes. on this team. Outside, outside of Derek, I mean the quarterback of any team's the biggest difference maker. But outside of the quarterback, he's the biggest difference. But you maker still like my team. hot take? Yeah, absolutely. I would extend the tight end over absolutely. the quarterback because if you are the Raiders and you don't make the playoffs this year, and let's say the offense, well, you're probably going to move back, on anyway from him. You might move on from Carr, and if you draft a rookie, or even if you just. Try to sign a you know stopgap Ryan Fitzpatrick type. A Marcus Mariota guy. Right. 
you're giving them Darren Waller to throw to yeah. whoever it is. Like he's still going to be Darren Waller's still going to be an effective player on this team. No matter who the quarterback. Is. Right. So I completely agree with you. Wow. Give Darren Waller the contract before you give Derek Carr the contract. 701. I want you to hold that one. Listen, Waller is <laughs> at the worst third best at his position. Absolutely. Derek Carr at 14th. the best is like third, eighth ten, best. Top, top 11, top 12. At the best, yes, he's like the, best. the eighth best at his yes. position. So I'm giving Darren Waller the contract. According to Article 26, Section 9 of the CBA. <laughs> I definitely, but before you continue, I uh, definitely do not trust you read the CBA and is about to read it properly on the air, but go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. All prorated signing bonuses must be put into escrow in their full amount as soon as the contract is signed. So the signing bonus, whatever amount it is, must be put in a separate account. You must have that cash on hand. And put it into account, an account so that it may be paid with, on top of their base salary every single game. Or every single game check. Not the full guaranteed money like you told us earlier. Exactly. Okay. I, <laughs> so as long as you just don't give them a big signing bonus, you're fine. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So Trevor Lawrence gets a $13 million signing bonus. He takes the pen, signs the paper, and he's guaranteed to walk out of that with a check of $13 million. Well, after taxes, well, no, not he's 13. guaranteed to get more yeah. than that. Eventually, yeah, he's, eventually he'll but get more than that. The Jaguars would have to put. They have to prove have they have the thirteen million. Yes, like, do have we have immediately? Urban Meyer, do we have that? I'm, I'm a college coach. Do we have this kind of money? <laughs> this wasn't a problem at Ohio exactly, State. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> this was lunch money at Ohio State. Coming up next, Jamar Chase. He's having trouble catching the football in the NFL. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Call the press box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. I think TJ should get whatever the heck he wants. Uh, he's arguably the best football, football football player in the game right now, not just on defense, just in general. You know, I've been through a few negotiations here with contracts. Um, you know, one of the reasons I took less money was for guys like him to get paid, and he needs to get paid. Um, he deserves every penny that he wants and asks for. You know, TJ Watt is is that guy that should get whatever he wants. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. That was Ben Roethlisberger talking about TJ Watt. So, Roethlis, what what I find fascinating about that is when Ben Roethlisberger basically says, I took less money so that the Steelers could sign guys like this. Because if you remember in the offseason, Roethlisberger when he signed again with the Steelers, he took $5 million less than what he was getting last year. And he restructured his deal to push some money to the future. So there'd be more cap space for this season. Cause he's the old quarterback coming back for whatever his last shot, last couple of shots. Right. He's like, yeah, let's, let's win something. I'll take some less money here. And now the Steelers, TJ Watts, probably their best player. Their best player is holding out. And the Steelers are apparently not interested in paying him. And Roethlisberger is looking around and saying, what the hell did I take less money for? Keep this guy around. Keep this guy happy. So I, I find that part of it fascinating that you have a player on the team and probably the most influential, the most player, influential on the player by far saying, listen, give him whatever he wants. I'm back. I took less money. I restructured the deal to give you guys more cap space specifically so you could keep guys like TJ Watt around. Why, why do you think he returned to practice as a good goodwill? I mean, what, why you've sat out the entire time, except they said stretching on the side. He didn't really participate in anything. And now the week of the opener, I would think, I'm not an agent, but I would think this is not the time to return right? to practice. I mean, it's Khalil Mack got traded because he yeah. sat out. He wasn't, well, granted, back then you could actually hold out. You didn't have to show up. 
because they, they changed the rules yeah, to where... Yeah, that's the, why he's out, out there right. stretching and they doing changed, nothing. They changed the rule to where if you don't show up, you get fined by right. the team, and you actually get fined by the team. In the past, if you held out and then agreed to a deal, the team could just oh, they'd wave, wave the fines. Away. They'd wave. They now, never made they changed back. the rule to where you cannot waive those fines. It's an automatic $50,000 a day. I mean, so, sit out the first game, and if you lose and you don't, they don't look very good, you probably get paid. <laughs> right, so... It's fascinating that he did show up yesterday, and the reports from Pittsburgh that I read were basically they don't seem to be any closer to a deal. Like, Mike Tomlin was optimistic, but the actual T.J. Watt in the front office don't seem to be much closer to a deal. So, yeah, if you're T.J. Watt, I mean, here's the thing. He is, T.J. Watt has been unbelievable Great for the Steelers. He's going into, this is the final year of his rookie deal. This is the fifth year of his rookie deal. He's going to make like $10 million this year, which is an underpay for a great defensive end, but also... He doesn't have any contract after this year. If TJ Watt gets hurt this season, he, he's got no money. So I don't have a problem with him holding out. He oh, deserves absolutely more. Not. But let me ask you this, because you've talked about Arnett, Ruggs, and others who, when they get, usually, I thought usually when you get to your fourth year, there's a decision made. Well, so if there's a decision made, why did they let him go to his fifth? Well, no. So the decision is after your third year, you have to decide, are you going to uh, pay the rest. Are, are you going to extend the fifth year option right, okay. on, only on first round picks? So after the third uh, year, teams have to decide we're going to extend this guy for the fifth year option on his rookie contract or no, we're going to after his fourth you're year, moving on, right? He's moving on or you could conceivably sign him to a new contract. You could give him a new extension before that, right. but that's the option. So Pittsburgh already said after year three, well, we're taking, we're the, taking fifth the fifth year, year option. But they haven't gone beyond right. that to give him an actual second contract. He's still on his rookie deal. He's worth more than ten million. Absolutely. So. I mean, he's he wasn't he just picked in the top ten of yeah. the NFL, top one hundred yep. or whatever. Yeah. Like he's, he's incredible, a really good defensive end in the NFL, unbelievably good defensive end in the NFL. And the Steelers are sitting here. I don't know what it is in Pittsburgh, but it's like we have a policy where we don't give out guaranteed money. I was like, what the hell are you they've, talking yeah, about? Yeah, they've always been that. We talked about the Raiders, but they're also a team that the belt has tightened around yeah. guarantees and other things. They, But they've always been that under the Roonies. And it's like you go back and to compare it to the Raiders, they didn't keep Khalil Mack around. Right. They've spent the next four seasons trying to find somebody even close to half as good as Khalil Mack and haven't been able to do it. They've right. been one of the pass rush, worst pass rushing teams in the NFL since getting rid of Khalil Mack. Steelers have a better overall defense than the Raiders have. So if they just suddenly didn't have TJ Watt, their defense is still probably good, but th this is the second most important position in the NFL. The guy that gets to the quarterback is the second most important position well, behind the quarterback in the NFL. Given big Ben's age, he's the most important player on the team. Yeah. TJ Watt. Absolutely. And the Steelers are apparently not going to pay it. But here's the thing. If I'm the Steelers and he showed up to practice on Wednesday, I'm not paying. If he's, if he's participating, that's why I'm saying I don't I don't have no idea who the agent is. But you've held out this long in terms of not participating. But like you said, he showed up to stretch because he doesn't want to get fined, and you're going to now expect the Steelers, who don't like to give away guaranteed money, to have a good faith reaction and now extend you. I don't understand that yeah, at all. I think that's a bad choice. Yeah. Now, fun story this uh, morning. This is fun, all right. Bengals rookie <laughs> wide receiver Jamar Chase. All right, here's the quote he gave. The ball is different because it's bigger. Good God. It doesn't have the white stripes on the side, so you can't see the ball coming from the tip point. So you actually have to look for the strings on the ball at the top, which is hard to see because the whole ball is brown and you have the six strings that are white. But for the most part, just have to get used to it and find out what I'm comfortable with catching. 
You know what the, the sad part about this is with this kid? Because he was, you know, obviously he came in the league and, like, that's by far the number one receiver in the draft. I mean, you take Pitts out because tight end. He's setting himself up to fail, right, mentally. I mean, he's setting himself up that he's already got an excuse in his head because he's had a ton of problems, drops in the preseason, where if all of this quote is really in his head, which I assume it is because this is the greatest quote from the entire uh, preseason. <laughs> he's now in his head that he's going to have drops, and he's giving a reason why. Doesn't have the white stripes. The white stripes. The ball is bigger. Is Joe Burrow spray painting white stripes on Can the? Can you ball imagine Joe Burrow waking up to that quote in the newspaper? Like, hmm, I better he's not. Telling, he's telling the center. All right, so whenever you've got it like near the chalk lines, just rub just, a little yeah. bit. Just rub yeah. a little bit. <laughs> Joe Burrow, where's that Boyd guy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna throw it over to him like nine times a game. Ah, I, I, again, he's a kid who came in really, you know, hyped up, and he had a ton of drops. So now he's just he's desperately looking for a reason why. I think. I mean, is, who who put this in his head? His agent? Who put this in his head? There a chance he's like, like red green colorblind or something, like where he's colorblind for just a couple yeah, of colors. Was, I mean, because I'm just imagining maybe like, but he wasn't in college. But I guess they had the white stripes right. and it was a smaller ball. He's he's turning back to find the ball. And he can't find it as easily because it's in the air through a crowd of uh, there's a crowd behind it. So whatever. He can't find it because of that. Is he kind of like, like, can he not? Maybe it's because he's a Bengals fan or playing for the Bengals and all the Bengals fans wear, you know, orange and black and brown kind of blends in with orange and black. Maybe he needs to go play for a team that's like blue or green and then he'll be able to see. Tyler, the whole ball is brown. Didn't he take? Didn't he opt out? Shouldn't have he been working with all brown balls? Yes. He didn't well, play the entire season I mean, last year. I'm sure he's doing this, but do it even more. Get to the jugs machine, and have some dude give you like ten thousand balls after practice or something like that. Eventually, you've got to get this down. You're sort of important to them. I okay. I fully expect Jamar Chase is going to be just fine. Like I fully expect I, he's going to be hope just he is. fine. I. Well, I have very like I I fully expect he's going to be good to go, and this is just going to be wow. He had some drops in the preseason, and whatever. But it's just the funniest thing because now, like every time he drops a pass in his NFL career, it's going to be wow. It didn't have the white stripes on it. I can imagine being the Cincinnati columnist calling his desk and his editor. I have my lead. <laughs> <laughs> this, this poor kid now thinks the ball is brown and it's not white enough. Like, like, what? Coming Run up next, it. to find out if you should drop Jamar Chase from your yes! fantasy team, Jeff Erickson joins the show. Want to be part of the show? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and leave your opinion. We draft him the second round. Not just because he's a good person and he's a good leader, but he's a really good player. And when we looked at kind of the guys who were successful in the National Football League and where the league was going, we took him because of those reasons, because of what kind of player he is. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now is Jeff Erickson from RotoWire. If you have fantasy football questions, you can tweet them at us or at Jeff. Uh, we are slacking. We don't have our text line up and running, but we'll get that up and next running. Next week. Next week. for week two. Uh, Jeff, I do want to start with Jamar Chase. Had some drops in the preseason. He There's a quote out there this morning about how it's harder to catch the ball in the NFL because there's no white stripes on it. 
Is Jamar Chase going to be fine? He will be. It's going to be a little bumpy early on. <laughs> he will have drops in the regular season, too. Devontae Adams had drops in his rookie season. You know, it, it, it good, good. I give me the guy that can get open and demands targets, and I'll I'll worry about the rest. So I'm not worried about Jerry Judy that much. I'm not worried about Deontay Johnson that much. Uh, you know, it's just a thing you will have to deal with, and it'll be a little bit of a drag on his value. I mean, this is part of the the rookie maturation process. Jeff, I want to ask you because I'm sure you did. A, you're in a lot of leagues, and Rotowire uh, uh, has all its leagues and your drafts. What was there a trend this year that stood out to you? Were there players that went higher than you thought as each draft played through, or did it kind of play out as you thought it would going into this whole thing? Well, it always changes. It, it is always something that's unexpected for me. Um, but you know, the, the thing that was that caught my eye early was there was a heavy emphasis on running backs early, which is not unusual, but it was really heavy. So I talk about the so-called running back dead zone, you know, starting late second, early third round through the seventh round. There's, there's not a ton of great running backs. At least that was the perception. So you started to see like, you know, people trying to get those two running backs early and then loading up on receivers around three through seven. Now I, I started later in draft season seeing more receivers get pushed in that second round. And then a lot of the helium guys later on were all wide receivers. We mentioned Jerry Judy. He was one. Marquez Callaway is another one. LaVisca Chanel is another guy that uh, seemed to get a lot of uh, helium. And that's the term we use, guys that are rising up the draft boards. You mentioned LaVisca Chanel. Uh, how do you think the targets work out between him, Marvin Jones, and DJ Chark in Jacksonville? So I think Chark is still the alpha uh, wide receiver there. I think there are some people that are souring at him because he got criticized for his play last year, which was fair. He deserves some criticism. I still think he's the most talented receiver of the three. Marvin Jones is more of a deep threat. I don't think he's going to demand a ton of targets. Chenault's going to be the guy that is going to be frequently be the slot receiver. Uh, Travis Etienne was going to take some of his targets. That's not going to be the case anymore. We'll see once Duke Johnson gets up to speed whether he's part of that passing uh, program or not. Uh, but instead, it's going to be Chenault and Robinson, James Robinson getting most of the short passes there. Buddy Joe Covington just texted me. Uh, he has a decision to make. Devin Singletary or Kenyon Drake as a flex. I want to ask you about Devin Singletary. I was in some drafts where people said he eventually will take over for Zach Moss. So you can go. Can you go through that? Yeah, I mean the, the thing is, it's a Buffalo running back. So the problem is, you got Josh Allen, who's going to take away goal line carries, right? And right. an offense where they, they, they just an air raid offense. They're going to throw the ball a ton. So Buffalo running backs are kind of capped in their upside. I think it's Moss barely over Singletary. Singletary might get more catches. There's been a lot of positive talk about Singletary this year, at least in terms of what he did in, terms, in getting in shape, uh, getting in better shape, I guess you should say. I mean, they're all in shape. For the right. Part. Uh, but uh, as for this week, Drake versus Singletary, it's a pretty close call. I, I'm looking at my rankings right now, and I've got Singletary as my uh, number 40 uh, running back and Drake as my number 44 in part because I don't like Drake's matchup against Baltimore. Well, real quick on Kenyon Drake, because everyone around here, oh, he's the joker, the joker. He's going to take a lot away from Josh Jacobs. They always have a joker. Uh, I know we haven't ranked him this week, but w when you look at Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs and Josh Jacobs' production over the last few years, can Drake take that much of him? Should Josh Jacobs' owners be uh, worried? Well, a little bit, but, you know, it's commensurate with his draft price. You know, uh, Jacobs last year was – Late, you know, late first, early second. This year he's 
late fourth, early fifth in most drafts that I've seen, at least lately. He's been a guy that's been playing. He and Miles Sanders both have dropped considerably, and I think the hate for them has gone a little too far. I don't mean it's not hate, but fantasy hate. Um, I, 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 we all remember how he would get, you know, he'd get pulled on third down a lot, or he wouldn't, you know, he'd lose some series here and there. Uh, that, that's a concern. Plus, he was dealing with a lot of injuries last season too. So I think there's, that's a little bit of concern. I think he's a good bat. I think he's still someone that you should look at as someone that can be a pretty solid fantasy player. Now, you guys got to tell me this one here. He missed practice Monday and Tuesday, and the Raiders were pretty non-specific yeah. about this. What's going on there? Yeah. Well. I don't know. I we think, should we should know. John Gruden's talking today, but you're right. We have some beat writers saying, nope, it's total precautionary. If it's a game today, he's in. And then there's like, we don't really know because obviously he didn't play in the preseason, so he must have done something to practice. But hopefully by today we'll know because if John Gruden doesn't answer the question, we're all in trouble. Yeah. Uh, well, and the injury report will tell something at least because they'll be forced to kind of tell us something. You know, the, the, you know, and we have to wait the extra day because it had been Monday night game too. So like, you know, it adds a little layer of uh, frustration there. If, you're, if you've got, like, Leonard Fournette on your roster and you have to decide tonight between he and Jacobs, oh, that's, that's cause for angst. Uh, another question on the Raiders. They're going with Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards as their top two guys here. What are the chances you see, like, Henry Ruggs being a top 30 fantasy wide receiver this year? Better than people realize. Uh, and, and that's year two, the year two breakout in wide receivers is real. Uh, you know, I think... Edwards is the guy that's trendy in some circles now. I think he's the better route runner, at least that's the perception. Rice has got the higher ceilings. It's pure athleticism. Uh, I'd like to see the you know the Raiders throw him a little bit more. I mean, he, he disappeared a lot in games, and you know he's hurt too, of course. So that has a lot to do with it. Uh, and is Carr the right type of uh, quarterback to unlock his potential? I think that's the other question. Any ones you'd fade that you might be people would be surprised this week at the name. Well, I, I mean, I'm, you're not going to bench Zeke Elliott tonight. You just can't. He's your first-round pick. But I temper your expectations. The Bucks traditionally are really hard to run against. They ha- they have they brought back almost all their starters from last season, so you know things sh- haven't changed in terms of like personnel. Uh, plus, uh, his Pro Bowl guard Zach Martin's going to miss this game because of COVID. So uh, you know, I think the Dallas offensive line might be a little bit in trouble. So I, it's not a great start for Zeke. Don't panic when he has a, a mediocre to bad game. What do you think happens with uh, the 49ers backfield between Trey Sermon and Raheem Mostert? So early on, it'll be Mostert. That'll be probably get. It's not a majority, a plurality of the carries. Uh, it's just, and then you know, I, I think Sermon will come on strong. But you know, at some point, Jeff Wilson will come back with mid-season, late season, uh, and be kind of a fly in the ointment. I mean, you've got so many talented backs. Even you know, you know, Elijah Mitchell, who they drafted late this year could be a factor at some point in time. Uh, but I, I love Sermon. I think he's great. And if he ever gets a full run as the Shanahan running back, I mean, look out because he could do a lot of damage. So I'm still adding Sermon in a lot of leagues. It's just tough to play him in week one. We talked about Chase, and you're saying, look, it'll be fine over time. He's going to not have the drops. Where did you see in the drafts? This was entering Jamar Chase and Devonta Smith. A lot of people, Devonta Smith, I heard in drafts say, well, he's on a really bad team. That will mean his workload will be even more. He'll get more chances. Can you go down some of the rookies for us, whether it's the running back at, uh, with the Steelers? Who, who do you think of these guys that we heard about coming out? Pitts are, is going to have the mm-hmm. best year. Well, Harris is in the best position. I mean, running backs usually you know, hit the ground running. So to speak, uh, the, you know, there's less of an adjustment uh, period there, a less of a learning curve for running backs than our receivers, and especially tight ends. 
uh, especially tight ends that are asked to block a lot, which I don't think Pitts will be. But uh, I, I think Harris is, you know, easily the the, the candidate, the, the rookie that's the best candidate uh, to be the best fantasy player, and he's being drafted as such. He's going in the second round in almost every single draft. I would have loved ETN. Unfortunately, he's out for the yeah. season. I love Javante Williams in Denver. Uh, all the reports on him are great. The fact that uh, Vic Fangio said he's willing to use him in any situation, time of game, uh, game scenario, that speaks well of him. You know, that he shows up well in pass pro, which is something that like, running backs sometimes get held against them. As far as the receivers go, I mean, Chase is still the first one that goes in most drafts, although, he's, as you alluded, he's had his drop issues and his draft stock has dropped accordingly. He's now uh, usually somewhere in the 30s among wide receivers. Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle go pretty close to him. A uh, lot of love for Elijah Moore and Rondale Moore, the relation. Uh, self-included for me on Elijah Moore. I, I'm buying the hype on him a little bit. So I, I've been trying to roster him in a lot of different places. How many leagues do you have a Houston Texans running back on your roster? Mostly in best ball leagues. I think I've got uh, – I, I do have Lindsey in like two managed leagues, but more often than not, you know, where I've added Lindsey or David Johnson, it's been stupid late, like 14th round or something like that. Uh, in, in a best ball league, so I don't have to worry about when to start them. But uh, I play. I, I, I've got a handful of leagues on underdog. Uh, great format, by the way. There, you get the, those drafts, uh, the best ball drafts, and the last you know thirty seconds per pick. So you, you get it done in less than an hour every time. If you're like stuck in line somewhere, like I, I was, you know, on a layover once, and I got I banged out three drafts. That was fun. Um, <laughs> and, and the concept's great. You just draft and you're done. Well, he is Jeff Erickson from Rotowire. <laughs> Jeff, we appreciate it. Thank you. Talk to you next week. Take care, guys. Rotowire's Jeff Erickson. Uh, Three drafts yeah. and one layover. Ah, we, didn't, a, we didn't ask him if he's ever been fined for saying a player's name out loud. That's Oh, that's right. Yeah, Adam Hill had a draft last night. Oh Six, seventh pick in the draft. Two minutes to pick. Person went down to two seconds. What? He got the seventh pick. He got the seventh pick. Pick who, a running back and let's move on. Who'd he take? Nick Chubb. That was that. It was that hard of a decision. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what was happening. But when you take that long in the seventh pick, I want to play that guy in the opening week. Well, how long did he take in like the seventh? Oh, round? It's, he, a lot, a lot. Like he, he, there's, he didn't always go down to the the time, but he he passed a minute probably each time. So I mean, like he was into the fifty second range. You should know when any place you pick in the first round. You should kind of have a good idea well, who you're taking. Especially in live yahoos, because you know 30 minutes before the thing what, who, what your pick is. Yeah. Because you enter the draft, it tells you your picks. It's already made the choice. You should go, okay, these are probably around the number top six guys. Where will I fall? <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, all right. Coming up next, the A's are coming back to Las Vegas for a sixth time, but apparently it's costing them a playoff spot. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. Dallas Keiko slide step delivery, drilled to left and way back. Vaughn at the track. He will turn and watch it fly. A deep shot to left up on the steps by Chapman. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Well, the future Las Vegas A's won a game last night. They snapped a four-game losing streak, but they are coming back 
for a sixth time, according to Mick Akers, Oakland A's owner John Fisher and team president Dave Cobble are planned to return to the Las Vegas Valley next week, and it'll mark their sixth trip to Southern Nevada. And it'll be six trips into not telling us how much this thing's going to cost. So come seven times, eight times, nine times. Nobody should care until you stand in front of reporters or however you're going to do it and say, we're coming if this happens and this is how much you need to pay. What's the magic number? 17 times they got to come to I mean, (laughs) obviously Fisher probably has his own jet, so they can come as many many times as they want. But you know what? What do you want? It's all we care about, right? (laughs) Look how many times these guys come to Vegas. So what I thought was interesting. How much stuff are they getting comped? (laughs) The Oakland A's played a series with the Chicago White Sox. And after the second game of that series uh, on Tuesday, Liam Hendricks, who is the closer for the White Sox, who used to play for the Oakland A's, he's one of the good players they refused to give a contract to. uh, Liam Hendricks gave this quote in reference to the relocation rumors of the A's. It's really affecting not only what's going on with moving out of the city or the stadium or whatever like that, but I guarantee it has an effect on the way the guys are playing on the field because of the added extra noise that's going on, the unnecessary stuff that's happening. And I think it's sad. It's sad not only for this group, but it's sad for the organization as a whole because this is a storied organization that deserves better. So Liam Hendricks, again, he does not play for the A's, but he used to, I He's friends. He's, I sh- I'm assuming he's friends, but he's at least former teammates with a lot of guys that are still on the A's is saying that the Oakland A's who have lost, who have are eight and 16 since August 12th, they have a six or excuse me, an 8% chance to make the playoffs. Now, according to fan graphs, he's saying the reason the A's have gone into a tailspin is because of the relocation yeah. rumors. That's about as sad a quote <laughs> as I've heard in a while. <laughs> I remember when the Raiders, um, were officially announced as moving, so we immediately started to cover them as the Las Vegas team, which meant we, which mean I became way too um, uh, comfortable in the Oakland airport. Uh, nothing against it, but we would ask players, you know, what do you think? And to a man, it was like, look, that's like three years away. We have who cares about that? We're in Oakland, and I would think that most baseball players. It's a, you know unless you're signed for five, six, seven years, a lot of this stuff is year to year. Not as much baseball as with football. I get that, but if you're telling me you're playing poorly, at the off chance, three, two, three years down the road, they could build something here, and you'd still be part of the team, and you'd move. That's a huge excuse. I don't believe it. And maybe this guy's trying to help his buddies out by giving a reason for them stinking right now, but it's a horrible one. So what fascinates me is I can't imagine a player on the A's <laughs> saying this would actually say this. <laughs> but again, Liam Hendricks plays for the White Sox now. He was with the A's. I did, did somebody on the A's tell him that? Did a player on the A's say, "Man, we're really distracted yeah. by this move to Las Vegas"? That's weak. I agree with you. I 100 <laughs> percent agree with you. I think it's a terrible excuse oh, it's because horrible. the other thing is this relocation rumor stuff has been going on for a couple of months now. It's not like it. the the A's back on uh, August 12th, the A's had a 62% chance to make the playoffs, according to fan graphs. Since then, they've gone 8-16, and 16, and they now have an 8% chance to make the playoffs. But the relocation rumors did not start on August 12th. They started back in what, May? June? A long time yeah, ago. Yeah, like this was not, like this was during the course of the season. The A's had, have had hot streaks yes. since the re- relocation rumors have been going on. So I do not buy that. 
as an no, excuse. No, it's horrible. But I do find it interesting. Did a player on the Oakland A's tell Liam Hendricks, who's his friend, who used to play with him, did he say, yeah, huh. man, we're we're distracted because this team might be moving to Vegas? Then you're begging. Right. You're begging. And by the way, if you're looking up in the stands against the Yankees and there's eight to 10,000 people, if you know the A's, Maybe not 8 to 10, but that's not very surprising either, right? I mean, they've always had issues drawing people to that place. I've been there enough with the Raiders to probably understand why. But if someone actually said this to Liam Hendricks that, you know, that's why we're losing, then you're pretty soft mentally. You're a pretty soft mentally team in terms of if that's why you stink right now, because down the road, you might move to Vegas and you might not even might be on the team. We keep seeing these Dave Cobble tweets from Golden Knights games. It's really affecting us. Be great if someone said, who's Dave Cobble? But this guy is (laughs) continuing the paper. He keeps talking about our team that we might be moving. How many players for the A's know who Dave Cobble is? Oh, I would think all of them do. He's not even the GM. He's just the president. This is not the GM who negotiates the contract. Okay, maybe they know he's the guy being quoted in the paper. (laughs) Is this guy important? Because he keeps saying we're moving to Las Vegas. He's going on another trip there. Tell us what you want. The A's have fallen behind the Seattle Mariners in the AL West. And it's because they're moving to Vegas.